Did it make any funny jokes? Do I make funny jokes? <laughs> no. <laughs> Even my joke jokes are not funny. <laughs> but you still somehow man- manage to laugh. I don't understand. <laughs> Um, so, hello, Janina. Yes, shall we start? Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome, everybody, to Schiester, just outside of Stockholm, where we're stuck in the bowels of the building in yes. the podcast studio. And we actually have uh, someone uh, drilling here today as well. It was just a, just just a little while ago. So, just uh, providing some nice background noise here in, in uh, our little... Podcast studio. Podcast yeah. studio room. And what didn't we do last week, Janina? I'm sure we did uh, a l- not do a lot of things. At least I didn't do a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I did a lot of things. <laughs> this is confusing. But one thing I we did didn't do. I did too many things last week, but one we, thing didn't we didn't do manage to do a podcast. podcast episode. But we have some great news for people out there that we are actually doing two podcasts this week. But... Yeah. Let's keep the second one a secret. Yes. And uh, we'll focus talk on about today's. Yeah, we'll and focus who are we on. talking to today? Today we will talk to Jasmit Singsetti, who is the head of uh, Ericsson's Consumer Lab. And we will talk to him about a new report that he has just launched, uh, was it last week? Uh, 5G Consumer Potential. So the Consumer Lab being uh, like a research uh, it's group a, at Ericsson. They it's have, market research, you yeah, could say, about uh, consumer views and insights. Yeah, they have uh, talked to a lot of people about what they expect to see with 5G and what consequences that will have for service providers and, yep. and other people. That's coming a little later. Yep. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about what's been happening. Yes, let's go into some news. Because uh, last uh, week we talked to Edwin and we talked a little bit about uh, what's happening in his area of 5G core. But we had some really, really fantastic news from uh, South Korea. We did. I, reading up, that as, as uh, I'm sure you're all aware, South Korea went live last month with 5G uh, across the country. Uh, all of the main operators there involved in in bringing 5G. Everyone's aware of that who listened to our podcast. Yeah, and I've not seen the latest numbers, but I do know that at around the beginning of this month, they were already talking about over 250,000 5G subscribers. 250,000 5G subscribers. That's a lot of people. That's pretty good. Already, already. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, last month we also saw... 5G Go Live in Switzerland, where they're planning to have nationwide coverage by the end of this year, and 5G Going Live in Verizon's network uh, in the US. Verizon, of course, already has fixed wireless access, but this is consumer, uh, consumer, there's that word again, uh, <laughs> consumer uh, broadband uh, commercial services. Yeah. Really cool. And, of course, that then we jump into my one of my favorite topics, and that is the handsets. The handsets. Yeah, I found a really interesting little piece from uh, RCI Wireless. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> hey, you guys. <coughs> uh, talking about a report by the GSA. Which, what is GSA? 
Oh, now you're putting me on the spot. It's an association. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Global Mobile Suppliers Association. Thank you. And actually, to you listeners out there, we had to Google it and Paul had to repeat it three times before we got it right. We're good at this, We're aren't today. we? <laughs> yeah, sorry. But, but, GSA, uh, they, they announced uh, these... Um, Smartphones yeah. or mobile but, or but I would say if you work in the industry, it's good to to sign up to their stuff because mm-hmm. it, uh, they have a lot of interesting reports on what's happening in mobile networks, which countries have gone live, what frequency bands they use, and you know, with the rollout of new technologies like Internet of Things. And right now, of course, they're keeping track of what's happening with 5G. Yeah, so and we should say also that they it, it don't don't uh, mistake them from uh, for other GSA organizations this is gsacom.com this organization so if you go to gsacom.com then you're at the right on the right then track. you're at the right place mm. that's mm. the trouble with three letter abbreviations mm. they get reused by different people yes. yeah but anyway so the article by RTI Wireless talked about uh, this uh, latest report from the GSA talking about 5G devices Really interesting numbers. They're saying that, that they've now seen announcements for 48 different devices, up from up by a total of 33 devices since March. So in the last six weeks, another 30 devices have been announced for, for 5G, and that's from 26 different companies that are that are making those 5G devices. That's a, a pretty big infra- ecosystem there working on that, and they talk about eight different form factors. And I think we can track down some of those form factors, but I'm kind of interested to know what they all are. But um, a lot of those are smartphones. Um, and I don't know whether there are multiple form factors in smartphones. Uh, Twelve of those are customer premise equipment. So that's the, uh, the that's what you would put on your house if you wanted a, a home broadband system. Um, either outside the house or inside the house, depending on the model. So everything from the size of a of a book or something that you put on the outside to a little puck that you would put on the window. Some modules, and those are typically things that you'd build into uh, other products. Uh, And two routers or routers, depending on which side of the Atlantic (laughs) you come from. Uh, which of course is the you know you would have five uh, five G uh, coupling to your to your router or router, uh, and then be able to run Wi Fi or something to your device. Mm-hmm. So lots happening there. Yeah, they do say that some of these devices don't have a time frame, so we don't actually know when they're coming, and mm-hmm. some of them won't be here until twenty twenty. So. Uh-huh. A bit out, mm. but uh, I think we can see that the ecosystem there is, is building up pretty quickly. Yes. Um, but you had a couple of other things that you'd seen. I just noticed that uh, I was happily surprised that. Uh, let me see if I can pronounce this right. Simin, <laughs> uh, Icelandic operator, has uh, signed a contract with Ericsson to to uh, get to to start uh, working on 5G for Iceland mm. and uh, we're happy that uh, we can see that we have some listeners in Iceland and uh, we hope that they were able to influence Simin to <laughs> <laughs> to start to rolling out yeah. 5G well, it's, it's uh, nice yeah. to see other countries as well starting I, I to think, I think if I'm not not wrong what's happening there is that they're going through and, and modernizing the network with yeah. a view to, to, to adding 5G. Yeah, I think it was also modernizing their core network, yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Cool. Yeah, Iceland's a very, very interesting place. Yeah, it is. And then one more thing. Uh, I think we, we mentioned Google. Um, uh, possibly Google. not. Uh, yeah, I've heard Google. of them. What do mm-hmm. they do? Yeah, well, Google them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Google them and find out. That's yes. a good plan. <laughs> They've had uh, uh, an event that's called I.O. And uh, I know, because I, as I work with social media, I went to Google's, um, uh, they, have a, they have a meeting uh, hall in uh, at uh, Mobile Congress in Barcelona and I went there and uh, asked them if I, I could see if we had five if we were providing with 5G and they were like no we don't, <laughs> le- we, don't we don't let anyone in here <laughs> that, no that's not invited uh, uh, uh. but but yes I know that we uh, Ericsson provided them with uh, with 5G coverage at uh, Mobile Congress uh, and here at the IO event it's more open uh, that five that Ericsson actually f- provided them with 5G coverage at the event. Cool. So mm-hmm. hopefully and they and had a good experience as well. And I guess maybe that uh, we had some demos and stuff going on. Yes, I think so. Because walking in with your 4G phone to know that there's a 5G network doesn't help you very much. The 5G phones are out there now. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they had a bucket full of 5G phones. <laughs> I think we were showcasing some uh, some some uh, use cases for for, mm. for for 5G there. Cool. Like the dancing spider, maybe. Perhaps. Then, of course, uh, just the other day, uh, a reference to what we talked about when we were talking about 5G for transport, uh, I think, in December. I think it was there. No, it was probably after. But one of the December episodes that we released, we talked about, wow, um, they had uh, uh, tested... 5G backhaul that we now know what it is uh, over uh, like microwave over microwave yeah so over the air uh, 5G backhaul and they managed to get it up to 40 gigabit per second per second speeds uh, back in end of last year and we thought that was pretty damn good because that, uh, that that that's basically pretty yeah that's that's uh, basically uh, yeah, then you have your if, if you if you can you have send a lot of cat videos yes. over forty gigabits per second. <laughs> that you can, but now it was actually, I mean, it was just broken with a lot. That that record was broken with a lot. So hundred gigabit per second uh, last week with Deutsche Telekom. With Deutsche Telekom in, in Athens. Athens. Which is all Greek to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, this part oh, this is going to be yeah. Greek, to, 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 or is Greek to, to a lot to, to people. This like will be me. Greek to lots of people. So shall I explain? Yes. It it used uh, eight by eight uh, line of sight MIMO. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and that uh, is basically like point to point that you have yeah, the radios. This is, this is microwave link, so we're yeah. talking point to point, mm-hmm. and uh, it used quite a lot of spectrum. Back to talking about spectrum mm-hmm. um, as. The, you know, as we're using spectrum for the 5G network, you also need spectrum for your backhaul network if you're using microwave. Yeah. So this is using what's called E-band spectrum. So that's at 70 to 80 gigahertz. Uh, so super high. S- well, it depends on your definition of super okay, high. Okay. If you if you talk about light waves, that's that's a thousand <laughs> times higher. I wasn't talking about light. <coughs> yeah, but that's uh, <laughs> so that's the light waves, just like radio waves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So about two, th two and a half gigabits of a gigahertz of spectrum, so a fairly big chunk of spectrum, mm. which you can get because it's because you've got a reasonable amount of spectrum available up there. Um, cross polarization interference cancellation. That's that clever stuff, very isn't it? Interesting. That's that stops you getting. Everyone knows about Polaroid gla glasses. What Polaroid glasses does is it it cuts out one of the polarizations. Uh, uh, so li light or radio, radio signals, you can send them uh, orthogonally, like at 90 degrees to each other, which don't interfere with each other if they're 90 degrees to each other. Uh, but, but you can get interference between these two different versions of the, of the radio wave. And that's what cross-polarization interference does. It stops those two different versions interfering with each other. Mm -hmm. And you can, put different you can put different information then on the same radio wave, one going up and down and one going side to side. If you want to think of it like that, that sounds pretty <coughs> complicated. But and then at the <laughs> and then at the receiving end, of course, you just uh, you just put your Polaroid glasses in the way, ah. and w and the one you want to listen to comes straight through. Ooh, cool! And uh, if you put your the, turn your glasses ninety degrees, you get the other one. Mm -hmm. Nice. Maybe not quite that. No, simple, not but quite that <laughs> but okay. No, um, but that that paints the picture of that paints uh, a picture. Of this, uh, and and then mm -hmm. down in the detail. Mm. Um, Big wave of flag for Mr. Shannon. Um, they cl claim it as a, you know, a new record in terms of, of information density. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. In, uh, records records are always a bit tricky because you need to define exactly what's a record what it's a record for. But here they're talking about 55.2 bits per second per hertz. Ooh. Ooh. So per hertz. Yeah. That's a new way of. That's, that's a new way of calculating mm -hmm. it, and that's all about the efficiency which you can use spectrum. Mm -hmm. you, know, the each, every, uh, you know, if I've got uh, a band, in this case with two and a half thousand megahertz of spectrum, uh, so two and a half, uh, two, no, two and a half gigahertz of spectrum, so right. 25, yeah. uh, 2.5 billion hertz yeah. of spectrum. Yeah. For each one of those, on average, I'm getting 55 bits per second. Uh, and obviously, the the more bits per second I can get for every hertz, the more bits per second I can get in the total link. Yes, we. I guess we have to follow up on that. It sounds amazing. Per hertz. And that's one of the things when you see different. Um, that, that, that's actually an interesting point when you see when you see people talking about different firsts and claims for how fast is my system. Mm -hmm. The first thing you really want to know is, well, how much spectrum did you use? Because basically, the more spectrum I've got, the easier yeah. it is. If you know, if I, if you, somebody gives you six gigahertz of spectrum, it's a lot easier to get twenty gigahertz of traffic mm. than if you only had four gigahertz of spectrum. Yes, of course. Or forty hertz, mm. forty megahertz of spectrum. Mm. So, spectrum is is the the scarce resource. Mm. Yeah, that everyone has to... That, that everyone wants to use. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that was... Uh, that was a little bit of... That was, of that was microwave. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, just a little side point, mm -hmm. little plug. Uh, we actually published a new report recently about um, 5G transport evolution that talks about some of the issues around how do we design a transport network specifically for 5G. Yes. Um, that's available through ericsson.com. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and on a, a side track of that, uh, the report that we are going to talk about with Jasmeet. Uh, Any fi- second now. Yes, 5G consumer potential. That is also available to be downloaded free, of course. Uh, from from Ericsson.com. Yeah. And, and if you have any questions or comments uh, about this podcast, you can contact us on 5G Podcast at Ericsson.com. That's 5G Podcast in one word at Ericsson with C and two S's.com. And now over to Jasmine. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to our webcast studio here. Uh, you are the, uh, you are, sorry, your full name is uh, Jasmeet Singsetti, yes. right? And you are the head of our Ericsson Consumer Lab. Exactly. What is that? Yeah, so Ericsson Consumer Lab is the, the voice of the consumer sitting within Ericsson Research. So we've been studying... Uh, oh, is that where you keep the voice of the com- consumer? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So all I'm you consumers sorry. out there, you know that you're part of Ericsson's Ericsson research. Ericsson research, yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. But uh, we, we've been with, uh, you know, with uh, studying this consumer behavior and trends uh, industry for almost uh, over 20 years now. So you're a little research team. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So we are a group of researchers also with uh, sort of a unique competency. You know, some of us are engineers, uh, you know, traditional sort of roles at Ericsson. But we also have designers, uh, you know, uh, some anthropology guys as well and oh. so forth. So it's a very varied sort of uh, competency mix that we have with the idea of uh, trying to kind of uh, build and, and uh, this sort of understanding of where, you know, getting in the outside-in perspective into Ericsson, but not just keeping it within Ericsson, but also disseminating it with our customers and operators across the globe as well. So we do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, have you been, you've been quite long at Ericsson? I remember you from a long time ago. How? how yeah, years? I've been with Ericsson for almost a decade now. Uh, so yes, I, I have spent considerable amount of time uh, within Ericsson, but largely with Ericsson Consumer Lab. So I've mm-hmm. seen uh, this this evolution of uh, you know sitting in a small office uh, down in Malmo and and now uh, you know heading a big team out here in Stockholm. So it's it's been a great journey, I would say, and also in terms of uh, you know the type of research that we are doing as as well. You know, so starting to kind of work with small research studies now you know, using groundbreaking methodologies, you know, new approaches to kind of bring this uh, consumer perspective into the organization. So mm-hmm. I think it's been an ex- exciting uh, sort of a journey so far. Yeah. I remember once I heard you being on the BBC talking mm-hmm. about a consumer lab report and uh, you did a g- an amazing job there. Yeah, thank you so much. That, that was yeah. a very exciting study. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, probably also why we really wanted you on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and of course, one of the reasons we're talking uh, with Jasmine today mm-hmm. is that we have a new study. Yes. That yeah. uh, just came out last week. Yes, that's exactly on 7th of May. Yes, and it's all about 5G. And consumers, <laughs> strangely <laughs> enough. Strangely <laughs> enough. What an odd, odd topic. <clears throat> Perfect uh, but it, for but this. It's very, but it's very timely because it, you know, it's, it's uh, right now that... Uh, Operators are launching real 
commercial 5G networks that consumers can subscribe to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so it's, 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 uh, it's very interesting. I mean, uh, this whole discussion about uh, 5G so far was centered around industries and industry 4.0 and enterprises and B2B space. And you suddenly see, uh, you know, the first segment that gets the taste of 5G is actually consumers. Yes. Uh, so that's that's interesting that, that you know, we've been seeing this uh, whole discussion kind of in, in a way being polarized uh, to the industry part. Uh, but then I think we we need to go ahead and start looking at this segment as well and, and what are the opportunities. And, and the mm-hmm. report clearly kind of talks about these opportunities uh, because it's also about, uh, you know, bringing some facts and realism to this whole narrative about yeah. 5G for consumers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because the report is the report for aimed at uh, s- uh, communication service providers. Mm-hmm. They, they are the ones that make the decision if they're going to launch. That's ideas. telecom industry for, for mobile operators yes. or cellular operators. For cellular operators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but it is about how 5G will benefit or how we think or the consumers think mm-hmm. that 5G will work for consumers. Yeah, exactly. For end so, users. So the smartphone users, we should say as well. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So or exactly. So, I mean... The target is is clearly uh, the communication service providers, but uh, I think when you read the report, you would also figure out that there are so many opportunities, and and the playing field is is so large that these opportunities could be leveraged by any ecosystem player. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's the big question mark. Also, in terms of who's going to be the one who can capitalize on these opportunities, will will it be Yet again, the the big ODT players like Google and Facebook who come in and and you know try to kind of cater to these needs, or will telecom operators kind of learn from the lessons of the past when we have rolled out 4G, and kind of start taking a bigger role in ensuring that the value kind of a large proportion of that value actually stays with uh, with the telecom provider. Yeah. So those are open questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, you know, it's we don't have a crystal ball here, but. We are raising these open questions, uh, you know, with the report. Mm. Yeah, and of course, with it, with any new technology shift, it opens up for new players to come in as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, you, so you've got yeah. those kind of, you know, as a consumer, is your are you going to spend your money with your uh, mobile operator, cellular operator? Are you going to spend it with uh, Amazon, Facebook, Google, or one of those guys, or are you going to spend your money with uh, you know, third-party companies that mm. maybe maybe companies that don't even exist today? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you have made quite a big study here. Uh, 22 countries, 35,000 online interviews. Yeah, exactly. So this is by far, I think, one of the most comprehensive studies so far uh, looking at the, the 5G consumer space. I don't think there is any study which comes close to the to the size and scale of, of what we have built out there. Uh, so we've gone out, you know, we've we've spoken with, as you mentioned, 35,000 consumers, 22 markets. It's a good mix uh, of markets. Some are lead markets where we already see 5G being deployed today. Uh, but some are uh, markets are not the front runners in 5G, but we see, you know, 5G networks also will have an impact. Uh, mm. These markets will be emerging markets, uh, you know, like Indonesia, mm. India and, and so forth. Uh, that might not be the first, but the technology still holds the potential. Uh, for mm. consumers in those markets. Mm. Now, in addition to this, you know, while we have spoken with consumers, uh, we have also polled about 22 senior experts in the industry, and these are, uh, you know, uh, uh, operator customers, you know, very senior C-suite, 
uh, from from some of the top uh, you know leading operators like T-Mobile, O2 in in UK, everything everywhere in UK, uh, but also academy and think tanks as well. So University of Surrey, uh, you know King's College London. So we have a lot of uh, you know this high profile panel of industry experts who have also shared views about what they think is is the opportunity in the 5G for consumer space. And what mm. we're trying to do is then marry this with what the consumer is saying versus what the industry is saying and how close or how far are we on these two perspectives. Uh-huh. Mm. And uh, just to mention a few, it's Telefonica, it's Three, uh, it's Eliza, it's T-Mobile. So there's uh, plenty of big operators yeah, represented in this yeah. uh, mm. In this report, and, and that difference, so you're saying marrying the difference between, mm. between consumers and and operators. Mm-hmm. I know in the report you talk about the, the myths of five G. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. where the myths come? Yes. So you see, I mean, uh, this is a this is a very common question now that I'm getting very very frequently. Is is where did we find these myths? You know, mm-hmm. where did this actually originate from? Uh, and and some of these myths are kind of coming in from the operator community, but it's also industry analysts as well or industry pundits who follow this space. Uh, and media, uh, mm. you know, kind of uh, covering uh, technology news. So if you look at, uh, you know, some of these myths, you know, I was in a in a recent cor- conference in uh, Norway, and it was very clear when, when I could see the operator executives getting up on the stage and saying that they believe 5G is just going to be about business to business. Mm. Uh, and there is nothing much that we can do on the consumer side. And and I felt I should go up to them and hand over the copy of the report <laughs> because that's exactly uh, you know uh, the the sort of preconceived notions uh, that the industry has because we've been talking about it for for I think uh, past two three years and it has rubbed off on on people because mm. we have uh, you know shown opportunities in the in the area of how we could transform uh, you know areas like manufacturing you know retail and and so forth. But there is very little evidence in terms of what are the possibilities uh, that exist on the consumer side. What applications and services uh. Uh, will consumers see with, mm. with a technology like 5G? Mm. Uh, and hence, with no evidence in sight, you know, the industry has this sort of opinion that this is all going to be about business to business and, and less so about consumers. And, and the report kind of but, takes it but, head on. Yeah, but as you said, it's mm-hmm. most of the people, in fact, pretty much all of the people being mm-hmm. connected at the moment are predominantly mm. in that consumer space. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. I, th- I think some of the very you know earliest services uh, were these uh, Wi-Fi hubs and connected connected devices. Some of those are marketed to, to businesses, but uh, fixed wireless access we've seen. Yeah. Uh, and now we see smartphones coming, and that's, uh, that's all about consumers. Yeah, exactly. So as soon as we have uh, the devices space uh, heating up with smartphones coming in, with routers coming in, and... Uh, then it's it it was quite natural uh, that this market was then targeted towards uh, the consumer space uh, also you know if you look at the the evolution of of the 5g technology the emphasis on ultra reliable low latency uh, those standards are still being kind of worked out you know in in the next releases and so forth so while that happens uh, you know the first near term sort of opportunities are all going to be about uh, the consumer sort mm-hmm. of market so you know, the research, I think, is, is a good, uh, you know, guiding document uh, for the operators to have a look and, and look at how, you know, what are the needs in their markets? You know, what are the near-term opportunities, the next two to three years and then three to five years? And then have a sort of a roadmap or a plan to say, okay, you know, how does this work with how we're going to roll out 5G?
Yeah, should we talk about these four myths then that you have uh, focused on in this report? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the first one is, uh, you know, a lot of industry analysts have said that 4G is already so good. You know, why do we need 5G? You're going to get me in trouble talking about industry analysts. (laughs) (laughs) Paul has to work on that. So I'm trying to put Paul on the spot here uh, (laughs) because he he represents industry analysts, but but it's also operators as well. I, I think... Uh, while very few will come out openly and talk about it, you know, uh, in in our meetings when we have met a lot of operators, there is a little bit of skepticism. Uh, it feels like it feels like we are kind of shoving down 5G down their throat. Uh, that's at least the perception that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, a lot of these uh, sort of uh, you know discussions eventually land up into these preconceived notions to say 4G is already so good. We know what we need to do. Our networks are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already building out. So why do we need 5G? But wasn't that also the discussion when we changed from 3G to 4G exactly. and 2G? And exactly. Okay. So so I'm not surprised. You know because. Mm-hmm. Every new wave of of technology has to go through a period of criticism because there is lack of evidence uh, in a way. And when consumers or even the industry start seeing some evidence Mm. of of things happening on the ground, that's where a little bit of this criticism and skepticism tends to kind of bottle down. Uh, But what we've said in the report is that the near-term consumer benefit for 5G is, is going to be all about relief from network congestion. Uh, we mm. see this in in the bigger sort of mega cities, uh, not just in emerging markets, but also in Europe uh, as well. So cities like Paris, London, you know, which are like mega cities of of the world, uh, we see uh, consumers kind of struggling with inconsistency in 4G experience. Mm. So 5G does come to the rescue, you know, in order to offer more capacity to the operators to kind of deal with, uh, you know, deploying 5G in some sort of a 5G hot zone approach. Uh, in areas where they know there are a lot of people congregating and starting to use uh, a lot of these services. So that's the first uh, sort of near-term benefit. And I think the uh, the, the industry is starting to get that, uh, that it is going to be about capacity uh, as a play. The second near-term benefit is uh, offering more uh, consumer home broadband choices. You know, just as an example, if you look at U.S., uh, you know, uh, there is a large proportion of the U.S. market uh, that that has no more than two broadband providers actually serving the household. Uh, and then there are about 40-50% of users who don't even know what are the options which are available to them. Uh, y- these are operators who are providing legacy technology like DSL, copper, and, and maybe on one odd occasions that might be satellite or fiber. Uh, so it's very, very limited, uh, you know, and it's also visible in Europe as well. If you take examples of UK, uh, the fiber penetration in UK is is uh, about 1.5% uh, of the households, right? So it's as low as that. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, UK wow. was not even in the list of the fiber, uh, the top countries in, in fiber. I mean, even a country like Latvia is, is way ahead. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Latvia is actually very advanced. It's, digi- it's, it's digitally, yeah. yeah. So, but in in terms of landmass and so forth, I think uh, there are countries like Portugal and Spain and and those markets which are way ahead on on the fiber side. So, while the government in UK now has uh, significant plans to accelerate fiber uh, rollout in UK, this is going to be a long drawn process. I mean, we're looking at twenty. 30 or 2033, you know, if you had to kind of cover the population in UK with fiber. So for markets like like UK or, or US, uh, wireless becomes a great way in order to bridge this sort of divide that we also see between urban and rural 
markets where there is very little uh, you know opportunity or access being available so it's also about connecting the unconnected but mm. also serving uh, you know households that are kind of struggling with legacy copper or or dsl technology so 5g fixed wireless access from a consumer perspective they are thinking well now i have another viable alternative that is emerging and and that looks promising provided it comes at a price point which is attractive mm. and you are able to differentiate it from a great tv offering because the 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 users essentially are locked into their broadband because of the tv mm. bundle and yeah. the tv bundle is not very appealing uh, you know there are a bunch of uh, i would say hundreds 200 cable channels which are kind of bundled in uh, users feel it's less value for money they could do with a streaming service mm. if if they had that mm. so if they can cut down on their monthly spend on their fixed broadband possibly they have a bigger share of wallet to spend on mobile 5g mm. and that's where th- you know consumers try to kind of balance out and say hey you know if i can save more on on mm. fixed you know i have more money to spend on these use cases that you're talking about mm. on the, on the mobile 5g side and suddenly it becomes a great sort of a convergence opportunity for the operator to it's do both fixed and mobile and build a great proposition mm. uh, out there it's, so it's it's an extension of the trend that you're seeing with people getting rid of fixed line phones and having ip telephony yeah. for their fixed line at home yeah. no, 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 yeah. that thing if i can if i can get more for the same budget or you know if i can get something extra then then i'm maybe prepared to pay more mm. yeah exactly yeah. And, uh, or merge different uh, kind of applications like telephone or and TV and okay so yeah yeah makes sense yes so that that you know i think fixed wireless access and uh, the network congestion relief are are the two near term uh, consumer benefits but mm-hmm. but to put this in context i mean 5g deployment is going to vary by a market to a market so if you look at sweden for example you know we we don't necessarily have an issue with with network congestion we have great networks out there uh, but you know the so the near term opportunity in in sweden will be connecting somebody in north of sweden with great broadband so it will be about fixed wireless access uh, to start with and less so about mobile 5g whereas mm-hmm. in other markets like uk that we have discussed it will be more about fixed wireless access mm-hmm. to start with mm-hmm. so it will really depend upon what market what is the ground market reality uh and then you know you, we have of course highlighted what is the near term sort of opportunity whether it's going to be congestion control or fixed wireless access so operators will weigh that and then of course draw out a time plan to say when you know and how we want to kind of go with with the deployment of 5G mm. so but, I, I, think, i think but yeah. i think in some ways you you you've missed one aspect of the mm-hmm. equation there which is that 5G is a technology mm-hmm. is a way for operators to actually um deliver more data without pushing up the cost mm, yeah because it's it's more a cost effective way of delivering the, the traffic than yeah, the exactly. so, so so i think there's a move for operators to want to move in that direction but of course they want to they want to be able to provide something that's attractive for consumers as well yeah exactly so it's uh, as as Paul you mentioned i mean it's 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 kind of a a more efficient sort of technology that we are kind of putting in by reducing the cost per bit as well so there is another motivation to kind of add to these near term consumer benefits as well mm-hmm. uh, to say that yes you know with the way mobile data traffic is growing right now it makes more sense uh, again you know to deal with with this growth to kind of put in uh, a more s- 
efficient sort mm. of a technology uh, in place uh, that can deal with this sort of growth Definitely. that we are seeing. I mean, we, we talk about the benefits of uh, 5G in every podcast because mm. from four different areas and everything like that. And also, I'm slightly excited about 5G as a technology. And she's still <laughs> waiting to get hands on a 5G phone. Right? <laughs> well, I'm waiting for to have it in my pocket in the near mm. future. No. Uh, but, uh, but, I mean, this mm. is all about the benefits for actual com- mm. consumers because, I mean, the technology in itself is fascinating and the, the, the way of doing things with beamforming and everything like that. Of course, that's... And if it benefits also on the on the amount of data, for instance, you can get through yeah. your network. Yeah. And that's other things that you can connect cars and connect all these IoT devices and actually manage them. There are so many different types of benefits. Yeah. And, but and in this report, yeah. we're focusing on the benefits for actual yeah. people like you and me. People yeah. like you and me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think we, we also kind of, uh, while the report is, is focusing on 5G, I think it's also very clear that we, we want to kind of have, take a technology agnostic approach out here because there is a play for, for Wi-Fi. I mean, from an indoor yeah. home perspective as, as well, yeah. uh, bulk of the traffic today is, of course, going over Wi-Fi in the home. And then Wi-Fi also has an evolution part towards Wi-Fi 6, uh, which yeah. is kind of coming in. So most of the smartphones that we will come in now with the 5G smartphones will both have 5G and Wi-Fi 6. Mm-hmm. So there is a play for for all types of technologies in the home, outside the home. Uh, the technology, you know, 5G possibly will have a bigger role to play on, on the outside arena, out and about. Uh, Wi-Fi, you know, will, will possibly be the technology for indoor home experiences, but not for households that are connected with 5G fixed wireless access. So if that technology really goes mainstream, which it might do in certain markets, mm-hmm. uh, consumers will be connected with, with 5G fixed wireless access. Mm-hmm. And, and then you might just have a 5G uh, sort of a smart hub sitting at home uh, wherein you could have a lot of services which are coming on top. Uh, this could be your security, your surveillance uh, solutions, your a uh, couple of other sensors that are there in the house, you know, with the smart home services. So there are a lot of opportunities, uh, you know, once you get the, the hub inside the home, that brings a lot of opportunities for the yeah. operators. Yeah. Yeah. And that basically goes over to our next myth, I guess. Mm-hmm. So the real use cases there are no real use case for or price premium on 5g yeah exactly so i I think this is a million dollar question about where is the money uh in 5g (laughs) (laughs) only a million dollars (laughs) (laughs) probably billions now you know and and uh, we we heard that we hear this again and again uh about where are those use cases uh, around 5g that can really leverage uh sort of the 5g capability so what we've done is uh, we have built what we call a consumer use case roadmap. Mm-hmm. And we have tested about uh, 30 different applications and services. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That's at the, that's a, I thought that was a, cool. It's a very yeah. interesting graph yeah. here in the middle of the report. Yeah. yeah. And, and it took some time. I, I have to say, <laughs> like it, yeah. one of the things I think Consumer Lab are very good mm-hmm. at is visualizations. So if you, if you like crunching numbers and, and visualizing stuff, yeah. it's worth going through it just to see how, how they've put... Uh, the information onto the page. Yeah. Mm. Paul is very kind, I must <laughs> say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I mean, this use cases roadmap, also to say, I think it was one of the most uh, photographed slides at Mobile World Congress because we did like a small preview uh, of this on the floor. Right. Mm. And we, we laid this uh, use case roadmap out. And the interesting part is, again, you know, we, we're not saying 
uh, that all these possibilities have to have 5G. What we're saying is you need to start now. Some, some of these use cases and applications can easily be built with your existing technology. Some will be enhanced with 5G and some absolutely need 5G access. Mm. So we have given uh, the operators a path to say, okay, you know, maybe you will start with 5G as more a capacity control uh, sort of mm. a mechanism or 5G fixed wireless access to start with. Uh, when you roll out 5G, it will be more like a 5G hot zone sort of an approach. But then you have an opportunity to kind of look at the first one to two years uh, and see what is what is the consumer expecting is going to happen in the one the, the one to two years sort of time time frame for 5G launch, and what is most interesting, and where is the highest sort of willingness to to kind of pay. Mm. Uh, and when you look at that, you can easily kind of marry between how your deployment is going to go, where we will roll out, and what services would need what type of capabilities. Mm. Uh, so if I, for example, if I had to do augmented reality, uh, then I need to ensure that I have wide coverage, okay? because you would expect to do augmented reality on your smartphone probably everywhere. Yeah. But if I'm just looking for uh, capabilities like gigabytes and seconds, then I'm looking for a more 5G hot zone approach, which will be available maybe on an airport, mm. on, a, on a bus station. Yeah. And, uh, and that's something that depends on the density of traffic exactly. as well, how many, how many other people are trying to use it exactly. at the same time. And, and yeah. also, uh, to some extent, the spectrum uh, available as well. You know, so if you have like the 600, 700 megahertz spectrum, it gives you capability to kind of roll out and, and do like a blanket sort of a coverage, maybe a white coverage, let's not say blanket, but a white coverage. Uh, but if you had mid band or millimeter wave, if you had millimeter wave, then you need to have precision uh, sort of deployment. Uh, mm. And that's where, uh, you know, the examples like Verizon with their, uh, you know, with the coverage that they're starting to build out and the fixed wireless access capabilities, uh, kind of come in. So it's mm -hmm. it's it's a question of what are the spectrum assets do you have? You know, what is the strategy? And then what does your market or the consumer really need in, in terms of these services? And you get these three things together and, and then you build out these sort of propositions. Yeah. And I mean, this is just some amazing ideas that you can do with 5G here. This uh, consumer wallet for 5G apps and services that you have in this report where it's everything from not just AR in your glasses but like how about an AR windshield Paul that sounds pretty cool <laughs> on, the I want on the bus <laughs> or on the car you know, yeah, I, the I car, think we, yeah, we are starting car, to get these uh, capabilities already now you know yeah. as we speak yeah. so uh, but it's interesting if you if you look at the uh, the charts out there there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, automotive sector has been pegged as one sector that would benefit a lot because from, from 5G. I mean, it, it, it's not, it's, uh, it has to be moving everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. So, mm. so, but when you look at, when you speak with consumers, uh, you know, they see that this is going to be, uh, most of these use cases will go mainstream in the next five to six years sort of time frame. So they don't see that they're in, in the near term, uh, you know, these automotive use cases will go mainstream. Mm. And the reason also is, you know, some of the concerns were, yes, you know, self-driving cars and autonomous cars are great, but I don't think my city is prepared for this mm -hmm. or my city infrastructure is, is kind mm -hmm. of prepared for this. Uh, on the flip side, we, we also interviewed a lot of experts uh, from Volvo uh, in, in this report as well. And it was interesting that when you speak with the automotive manufacturers, uh, they, they seem to believe that they can rely some of these use cases without 5G. Uh, so they could have local sensors in the car and, and the car can essentially become the edge cloud 
by itself mm. and and mm. it can do yeah. basically a lot of these uh, capabilities in a way the challenge that they have is you know for a, for a company like volvo who's selling uh, cars in 150 countries today is to manage the complexity of working with operators in these local markets oh, yeah. so right now they are trying to manage this complexity with with possibly three global operators who then kind of have their networks and interconnect agreements and roaming agreements to offer connectivity in the car mm. uh, but they see this as a clear challenge you know to say to go to probably a latin american operator in brazil and do a separate tie up and go to us and tie up with at&t and then go to india and tie up with some other operator it's it's a mammoth mm. task for them so they already see that today you know 4g is already not built out on expressways and and national highways so already there is a there is a problem with connectivity in the car now building out 5g is going to be even more uh, tricky especially mm-hmm. when we talk about expressways and and national highways so that's going to take a lot of time uh, not to say these opportunities won't come but it's going to take a lot of time uh, for these to be realized the near term opportunities in the automotive space could be uh, robo taxis right so these these autonomous taxis would then kind of operate in an area where you have 5G coverage mm-hmm. uh, where you have high definition maps and uh, you know the reason why we would need 5G for these uh, type of taxis that could be the Uber in in and so forth will be uh, a mechanism of a control tower so if anything goes wrong in the taxi you want somebody to take control right away mm-hmm. and this will be like you know imagine the ATC for for an airport Uh, so this will be like the control tower managing all these robot taxis in the city and taking over control on the taxis and that's where you need 5G you know the the ability to remotely steer a taxi to the to the pathway and and park it and ensure the passengers are fine and so forth so that's where i think most of the automotive manufacturers believe that the the opportunities for 5G are going to be possibly concentrated on that area whereas private parts of course they have a vision for autonomous cars and self driving cars but they don't necessarily believe that they will be relying so much on the 5G coverage sort of build out mm-hmm. if it comes that's great but so far they will they will kind of rely on local sensors and and lidar capabilities in the car yeah. to make that possible yeah. mm-hmm. but i mean i've always seen autonomous vehicles need to be autonomous mm-hmm. so they need to be able to work without ex- without external network con- connectivity uh but to me is is a fairly straightforward concept that says the things i can do with mm. my vehicle stand alone mm. i should be able to if i can that. if i can give it connectivity mm. to you know external connectivity mm. then that gives me the opportunities to do things which it can't do stand alone or to extend the the envelope so whether it's uh, you know go faster or drive more economically yeah. or, or you know to to be less yeah. less impact on the environment yeah. or whatever exactly. you can you can take more intelligent decisions using information about what's happening in detail on the streets around you. Yeah, exactly. So I think those use cases will come uh you know but but you know if if you speak with the industry experts I think there is a little bit of hesitancy and and uncertainty to to really predict when those capabilities because there is a bearing on who's going to build out uh, this network is going to be the telecom operators or will it be possibly Volvo by itself which will yeah. buy um, a little bit of this spectrum as well and build out this this capability so it's it's a little bit of uncertainty that nobody knows how this is really going to happen and, and that's also rubbing off on the consumers to say well i see most 
things happening in the entertainment and media space for me right now and and also in the shopping area uh, gaming is is interesting but automotive the only near term opportunity that the consumers are seeing seeing is 4k entertainment uh, you know backseat entertainment in the car mm. and that also has a requirement on the network because you need great uh, sellage rates because of high mobility of the car so you need to ensure that uh you know we have a, a great service experience when you're moving mm. from a sellage uh, to a sellage or or you need good predictive capabilities, capabilities. So, mm. so, exactly. so that you can you know if you <coughs> if you know you're going to be approaching the sellage in 30 seconds yeah. then you can you can buffer up mm. absolutely and, uh, download stuff to ah. carry you through the sellage into the next <laughs> next hotspot yeah and that's where machine learning and all those uh, capabilities of automation and ai will will come into the networks as well so i i think that's a great that's a great use case mm. you know to start with if we start seeing that happen and and consumers will start to believe that yes we are starting on this automotive uh, journey with with new use cases and new user usage experiences yeah. that are possible because uh, myth number three is mm-hmm. smartphones are the only solution for 5g and yeah. that's Yeah. Yeah, I mean if you look at that uh, if you look at 3G 4G smartphones were kind of the the magical solution you mm. know that drove the market. Now when you when you look at 5G I think the industry still believes it's going to be the smartphone uh, because we have all these mm. launches that are now happening and and so forth. I was uh, reading an article from uh, the CEO of OnePlus which is a handset manufacturer and he, they were talking about Uh, how the future is going to be all about 5G smartphones mm. because of of the new uh, design changes that are go- happening with foldable screens and and so forth. So yeah. yes, I think the smartphones will now come in with more radical designs. But if you look at the consumers, they are already starting to question uh, whether the smartphone as they see today, you know, the form factor that they see today. Mm. is actually the the best device to leverage uh, the 5G capabilities because we're talking about immersive video you know like augmented reality virtual reality holographic projection capabilities and so forth and then you have this piece of device which is like a 4.55 inch sort of a screen uh, and they're wondering uh, you know it was interesting we we met a Uh, we we met a respondent in london and we were talking about augmented reality concepts with him and we were talking about ar gaming and uh, then this guy comes up and and says okay you know how convenient it is that you want me to now hold my smartphone in my hand re- with my raised elbows and and do this for about 1 hour while i'm playing the game with my friends mm-hmm. i don't see that this device is best suited mm-hmm. for for these type of experiences uh, and that led us to the conversation on on what could be that device uh, for for 5g uh and eventually we we you know the consumers landed up on this consensus that it has to be a pair of glasses uh then that could then pair up with your smartphone mm. in the short term or could be standalone mm. as as well in in the long term uh you know with with embedded 5g sort of capabilities so if you look at the report i think globally we see this trend where consumers are saying yes smartphones will still exist in the next 5 years they are not going away uh but we will all be wearing augmented reality glasses uh, in, in, in the in the long run but janina and i were just talking about this over lunch <laughs> i was saying 
say, <laughs> saying, you know, augmented reality glasses, you could, uh, everyone can have a totally different experience of the world. Yeah. You could walk, <laughs> you can walk down the street and instead of, seeing, instead of seeing those boring 1960s tower blocks, every building can look like a, a yeah. Roman villa, everyone, yeah. everyone you see is clad up in Roman clothes. Yeah. You could have your own, uh, your own theme park your every own, day the uh, virtual world, you know, kind of overlaid on, on the real world. So it's also... I think we will all be living in some sort of a metaverse where we can overlay, you know, digital objects that we want to kind of see, as Paul, you're mentioning, you know, over over the real world. Mm. And and we're starting to kind of see that. I think the, the challenge now is that most of these AR glasses are either proof of concepts or experimental designs yeah. uh, today. Mm. We saw some of these at Mobile World Congress and CES. They're getting better. They're getting lighter. For example, you know, at CES and, and also at Mobile World Congress, I saw this company called Enreal, and they have a pair of glasses which just weighs about 85 grams. So it's very light. That's quite, yeah, yeah that's light. That is light. And it has a 52-degree field of view, which is very similar to the Magic Leap. So Magic Leap, if you have seen, I mean, or HoloLens is a big, bulky uh, piece of mixed reality glasses that you mm -hmm. won't like to have on your, on your head. But this is like a sneak player of glasses. Of course, it connects. Uh, it has a controller that you need to put in your pocket because the computing is being done on that CPU or the processor. Mm. Uh, it has a great field of view. Uh, and they, they were showcasing some of these concepts as well. Uh, while the device is great, I think we, we yet don't have that sort of content uh, being developed. Mm. So it's also about getting the developers behind uh, these devices as well. So whoever goes out and creates this new device category, I mean, it could be Facebook, it could be, uh, we know there are rumors that Apple is working on uh, a piece of their own augmented reality glasses and it would start production in 2020 or, or so. So all the big guys or the big manufacturers are, are behind this trend now. Mm -hmm. I mean, AT&T has its investment in Magic Leap as well. And they say that they want to make Magic Leap mixed reality glasses like a 5G-powered glass when they do full-fledged mobile 5G. Mm -hmm. So I think the industry is sensing that there needs to be a new device yeah. which needs to come in yeah. to capitalize on all the 5G promises that we are making to consumers around AR, VR, gaming, and, and so mm -hmm. forth. But I um, think one of, one of the interesting things for me there is is the from the operator's point of view, mm -hmm. CSP's point of view, is is how do they package that, or how you know how do they make that available to consumers? Because one thing one things we've not really seen is uh, it, the mobile subscription. Mm -hmm. It's been once you know you have a SIM, it goes in your smartphone, and that's what your, your mm -hmm. subscription is. Mm -hmm. But but maybe you know if you're going to mm -hmm. have I'm going to have a smartphone anyway, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to have VR glasses, and mm -hmm. maybe I have a smart home mm -hmm. installations. Maybe I want to. A personal subscription hmm. that allows me to connect multiple devices. Multiple devices. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. and and we have pointed that out in the in the report as well mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I think it clear clearly came out when we were talking about these new use cases uh, that you know consumers expect a new ways to be charged uh, or a new charging model for mm -hmm. 5G that needs to go beyond just this gigabyte model. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything for free. <laughs> uh, that's, that would be very popular, yeah. but I think they, you know they were being very pragmatic about saying that you know we we need something which is much more flexible, uh, as you pointed out, Paul. Which is uh, 
I'm not expected to be at an arena or a stadium every day, mm. right? So if I'm looking for a service like a 5G augmented event service where I can overlay AR on on the field and, and so forth, I need this on demand, you know? So it needs to be more like pay-per-view, pay-per-session, pay-per-time, uh, you know, for, for some of these uh, sort of use cases as well, which means most of these service offerings will be short-lived. For example, if there is an event concert which is happening, the concert guys can tie up then with the operator and offer like a VR or a 360-degree view experience uh, through the operator. The operator eventually needs to charge, uh, but all these offers will probably stay up for like a day or two when the event is actually happening and then taken off. Mm. So this needs a new dynamic way on of flexibility and monetization solutions and charging solutions that need to come in uh, and network slicing as well because then you need to also ensure... Uh, that you have a great network that's backing some of these VR, AR sort of related services. Mm. So it it clearly came out that consumers are expecting some sort of a, like a service-based pricing model. Uh, you know, the service should decide what 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 is the model kind of behind it rather than the typical I buy a plan of 100 gigabytes or 200 gigabytes and then, you know, that's that's I need to ensure what I'm using, when I'm using and how much I can actually uh, sort of use. And I see that that is going to come in. I see that operators will now leverage 5G capabilities to start with possibly, you know, a model where we can do speed tiering. So have a network uh, and then marry it with a particular use case mm. uh, and, and go beyond the sort of gigabyte model yeah. that we've seen. And what you're talking about now, that's, of course, part of the fourth yeah. myth. Exactly. So the fourth myth is is more that whether we can use what we have seen in the past on 4G as a good measure to say what's going to happen on on the 5G side. So all you know, all the operators have a forecast model in place. Uh, that's how they build and design networks and and forecast the capacity demand for the next two years, you know, five months, ten months, and so forth. And we have a forecast as well that we have built uh, from Ericsson Mobility Report as well. Uh, you know, when we look at that forecast, I think the forecast is great and it's it's pretty precise in terms of where we will land in 2024. What is important to look at is what are those sort of factors that might actually change that forecast mm. and the factors that might or, or those plausible scenarios that could change that forecast is if immersive video actually goes mainstream or if there is a new iconic device that mm. actually comes in because now you had something in your in your pocket right now mm. as we are speaking but now you would possibly have glasses and you're still looking at me and you're doing emotional tracking uh, and and you know at that point you're still using video so your screen time increases and so does the data usage yeah. as well so we are now trying to factor in those plausible scenarios to say what if these scenarios actually come true where will we land with our mobile data usage mm. in the future? Mm. And what we are saying is, well, typically, if you go by how data usage has has increased, which is based on our current forecast, which is almost we will see a five times increase in data usage going into 2025, we are saying if we were to believe what consumers say they would do with 5G, then this data usage could increase by almost 10 to 12 times. Oh, yeah. And we could see about one in five users using in excess of 200 gigabytes per month. Now, I don't know if it's sheer coincidence or so forth, but if you look at the South Korean operators, 
and their pricing model and their pricing plans. Uh, if you look at KT or, or SK Telecom, the top tier plans have come with a, with, a, with a cap of 300 gigabytes per month. <clears throat> and the next one is, is actually 200 or 250. And then it goes down to about 8 gigabytes or so forth. So somebody, some bright person out there in, in the Korean operators actually worked out this model as well. Mm. And they ascertained that this is a possible yeah. uh, scenario, that mm. there could be users, those 20% who are heavy video-centric users, mm. the early adopters, they could actually take up their usage to about 200 to 300 uh, gigabytes uh, per yeah. month. And the fact they're selling it now mm. says that they expect that there are people that are already wanting to exactly. gigabytes per yeah. month. Exactly. So it's it's an interesting, and, and as I said, this this serves as a guiding sort of a document for the operators to say, okay, you know, we need to factor this uh, because this has ramifications on both your backhaul, your transport, how mm -hmm. you're going to design networks uh, towards the end and how you will manage all this uh, sort of capacity, uh, sort of needs when mm -hmm. immersive video is to come in. And needless to say, even if this didn't happen, even if 5G was not there, uh, I think AR and VR will still grow. Uh, and it will grow probably on the back of Wi-Fi uh, because consumers will still keep using virtual reality at home. Uh, they will still use augmented reality capabilities, largely relying on uh, the cloud servers of Google and, and Facebook and so forth. And this usage is still going to go uh, the way it is, probably not as high as 200 gigabytes, but we will still land somewhere about 50, 60 gigabytes or something like that. Uh, but 5G is just going to accelerate uh, uh, will, will, with users wanting to do a lot more when they have this sort of great network, uh, you know, behind it. Mm. Mm. And I think that's a good conclusion of this uh, report. <laughs> <laughs> wow. As, as, yeah, as the future will be wow, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we, yeah. we see that it's it's going to be a completely, uh, you know, new internet with 5G. Yeah. That's what 5G is going to bring. It's it's going to be a whole new model of internet. Cool. Thank you so much, Jasmine. And thank you everyone who listened this time. See you in a few days, I think. In a very short number of days, yeah. I think. Because <laughs> we are actually recording the next episode of this podcast already tomorrow. So you might see it next week, the week after. <laughs> depending <laughs> when Janina gets around to it. <laughs> but thank you, Jasmine. That was really welcome. interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And bye. Bye. bye, -bye.